Are we friends? Yes. <laughs> Listen, this is an ecosystem where if you do not get along, right? <laughs> I Yes. Obviously, your podcast host is being deliberately provocative. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Human Element, Kara's podcast about modern marketing. I am so excited. This took us forever, but Marla Kaplowitz, you are here. Yes, I'm finally here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. For those of you that don't know, she's the president and CEO of the four A's. Yes. Yes. (laughs) What an auspicious thing to be, right? Like, As long as people know what the four A's is. Well, why don't you tell us? Sure. So formerly known as the American Association of Advertising Agencies, there's a mouthful. Now, that was a branding decision to go from that to the four A's, (laughs) right? Correct. How long ago did that happen? Before my time. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's been a while. It's probably been five plus years. Okay. Maybe a little longer that that branding decision was made. Actually, Lee Clow was involved in making that new brand shift. Well, with with that kind of decision, you know, really difficult decision to make, you really need a heavyweight like Lee Clow. He helped with the design. Okay, fair enough. All right. Because I I think going from 27 million characters to like the four A's, (laughs) it's not a tough one. Although I'm sure there were meetings. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, think, we've evolved beyond just even calling agencies agencies. Um, There are marketing firms and creative coalitions, and the word advertising is so narrow compared to what our members do today. So let's start there. Let's start with sort of your definition of your role. Because I, as I look at the industry, you, to me, have one of the more fascinating roles in it. It is an interesting role. It, it is as basic as we talk about leadership, guidance, advocacy, community, like any good trade association would do on behalf of its members. But we really view our role as empowering our members to deliver insightful creativity. And I do mean that in the broadest sense. Mm-hmm. That drives commerce. It's about business and influences culture, all while moving the industry forward. So our goal is how do we add value to our members? How do we help them accelerate their business? And how do we move this industry forward? So that's through industry partnerships, uh, working with the government, whatever is needed in order to really advance advertising, marketing, and communications. How has the organization evolved in your tenure? So I have been at the Forays now a little over two years, and I was excited to take my 30 years of industry mm. experience in an agency and kind of push it out because I love this industry. And what I felt was that we were not pushing hard enough in terms of what agencies are doing well, that mm. there's such a negative discourse out there and narrative that people are forgetting about the positives and the values that agencies bring. And that's been our focus. And I think we have to even do more to drive that message consistently. And so we've really wanted to make sure that we have taken a step back to reinforce the relevancy and the value for our members. So some of that is more internally focused and what we're doing to make sure the members understand what we deliver and the breadth of what we offer. Everything from creating something as basic as a member value report every year Mm. to really highlight, here are all the things that you took advantage of. Here are all the areas where you should still be leveraging us to help you and your people and your business. And then from an industry forward, how are we continuing to partner and then create new opportunities? You mentioned sort of trying to position the industry in a a better light. I think you're right. For whatever reason, 
along with used car salesmen, uh, you know, and tort attorneys, we are we are on the low end of the <laughs> of the positive press spectrum in this industry for whatever reason. How much do we miss Martin as the loudest voice in the room of reinforcing our value? I think it's a great point, and it's something that we have been talking about because. We don't necessarily have the strong voices in our industry that we used to have, the legends, the people that everyone revered and looked up to. Part of that is the fragmentation that's happened over the last 20 years. And so there's just so many more of them. And we don't necessarily have those characters who are out there. So for better or worse, Martin was out there beating the, the messages and really pushing hard and being... Uh, controversial in in some of the good ways. And now I don't think the messages he's putting out there are the most positive for the industry, and (laughs) they're quite self-serving. They are. But we do need to find who are these people and how do we surface those messages. But part of that is confidence, too, and making sure that we have people that want to be pushing that out and really forcing the narrative into a different direction. I think that's right. The other thing, as I look at it, you know, we have these titanic competitors and the consultancies that have entered the fray as well. They're not founder cultures. They're not character, and I don't mean like integrity character. I mean like personality-driven organizations. And so as a result, they don't necessarily, they come with enormous size and, and scale and influence, but they don't come with that voice. So that's kind of a put more pressure on you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. That we need to be more vocal and that yeah. we need to be out there and identifying who are those champions and making sure that those voices get out there. What are we getting right as an industry? So I'm going to focus on a topic that some people see as controversial, which is in-housing. Oh, good. <laughs> and I actually think the industry is getting it right, and I'll mm. tell you why. Because for years, agencies kind of folded their arms and said, well, we're not going to help right. you with that, and we're not going to deal with that. In-house teams have been around for decades. Mm-hmm. There's so much work if you look at what's going on today, especially in the last five years, it's challenging for anyone to keep up with all that. So what I've seen positively is this shift where agencies are recognizing that it's not about either or, it's about the balance. And yep. how do you focus in on what are the client's objectives? What do they need today? What do they need as it evolves in the future, and where can the agency add the greatest value and collaborate in that way? And so I see that happening at creative agencies, at media agencies, and I think that's a real positive shift. But I don't agree with the negative narrative out there around like the sky is falling and, oh, it's cheaper. Well, anything's cheaper if you look at the right metrics. Right, right. Yeah, (laughs) trust me. it gets back to the, and I'm a former media person, right? Efficiency or effectiveness. What are you trying to deliver? I think that's a great point. And I think you are right. I think that those of us in the industry that are being the most forward-looking are being the most inclusive and thoughtful about the way that we work with client organizations and their agency-like components that sit inside their organizations. What's the alternative? Right. I mean, agencies are successful when they are helping clients grow their business. That is the mutual goal for anyone. Okay. What are we getting wrong? (laughs) Well, I I think what the industry always gets wrong is sometimes we make things far more complicated than they need to be. So let's just simplify and let's just focus. Back to management consultancies, people are so afraid of the management consultancies And the reality is that disruption is happening in every single Mm -hmm. business category. So just 
embrace it and focus in on what you can do to also evolve your business. And that's what I see happening. A lot of the larger agencies have consultancies or acquiring consultancies or building out new capabilities. I mean, they've moved so far beyond advertising or marketing to customer experience at this point. Everybody's doing the land grab in new areas and just be open to what those possibilities are. And if you focus in on agencies have always done certain things extremely well, have been ahead from an innovation standpoint, focusing on creativity and not just creative, but media, data, the creation of programmatic. What the management consultancies have done well have been more on the systems integration side and the front end and not on the executional side. And so there are ways that that comes together in new deliverables. But if you look at where the management consultancies are pushing in that area, they're acquiring, they're not building. Right. And that's going to continue. I I, I don't see them building organic capability in those spaces. And I think they wisely didn't even try. Yeah. Right, I think most of them said, look, I've got to go buy yeah. t- talent in that space. But there's so many companies now that are expanding beyond their core adjacencies. I mean, yep. look at the Wall Street Journal now. They've got a wine club and yep. travel membership. It's just... That's the nature the of business, evolution. of survival in business. Yes, yeah, I agree. agree. I think the thing is, but that's always been a part of what agencies have done. Agree. That is that is the the heritage of the agency business is seeking new places to grow and looking for new places to innovate and looking for places where creativity of thought, not creativity capital right. C, but creativity yeah. of thought can bring new opportunities. And I think that's what's always attracted yeah. so many people to the agency business is that dynamic energy and that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I agree. I certainly, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I still do this. There you go. In theory. Okay, we're going to run through a few hot topics. Are you ready for this? Okay. All right. Talent and diversity. Yes. We are still struggling on the diversity front in all forms. What's your opinion on where we are at the moment and how we continue to get better as an industry? I think there was a real kind of wake-up call two years ago when Me Too really took off and there were so many issues kind of flaring to the surface and we had agencies saying, what do we do? How Mm -hmm. do we deal with this? I think it kind of quieted down and everyone moved on to the next issue, but it's still there. And now we've kind of evolved the conversation where it's not just about diversity, it's equity. It's also about that inclusion piece. And I think that's the area where we have to start focusing more. And it's an area from a 4A standpoint, we've created something called the Workplace Enlightenment Program and really trying to help agencies address areas of difference, educate senior leadership, educate individuals on how you manage that in the workplace yeah. because it's a pretty tense environment yeah. no matter where you are these days. On the talent front, it is still the greatest challenge is keeping talent, identifying talent. The competition is tougher than ever yeah. to maintain that. Uh, people are moving around a lot more. And so you have to focus so much on the culture. And I always say that agencies are about three things, people, product, clients. That's the order I put it in. Mm. And I think that's what everyone has to do. You've got to focus on your people. It all starts there. Yep. You've got unhappy people in a client service business. It does not go well. So we continue to push in areas like MAPE, which is our multicultural advertising intern program, to bring in more diverse candidates into agencies, but it's up to the agencies and we need to support them to drive a more inclusive environment. Yep. Do you see more diverse talent 
coming to agencies than you know than maybe in years past? I see them coming. There are challenges with them staying. staying. So we see that with our MAPE alumni groups. Yep. We have over 3,000 alumni. We stay close to a lot of them, primarily those in kind of that eight-year experience. That is when there are challenges for them mm. often where they need mentorship. They are really looking for someone who looks like them inside yep. the agency. They want to aspire to be and in that senior find. leadership role and they want to see them. Yeah. And that's where people say, oh, we can't find the talent, which is a terrible excuse. Yep. They're out there. You have to be a far more creative and look in different places. And I think there are some companies that are really putting it at the forefront. I mean, you look at what Michael Roth has done at IPG and every senior leader, it's a requirement for them. And yep. I see more and more of that happening. And if you put it on someone's incentives and you make it that important, it's unfortunate, but it drives results. Funny thing. Customer advocacy and privacy. So my personal view is that there's a real avenue for agencies to become true consumer advocates alongside their clients. And that that is especially important as the digital platforms, frankly, have not done a good enough job doing it on their own. What's your perspective on that? And do you see any agencies actually doing that to a significant degree? So I will tell you as the four A's representing our agency <laughs> members that we know this is a critical area. Yeah. So it started a few years ago where we, along with the IAB and the ANA created CBA, the Coalition for Better Ads. And mm. I immediately said, no, it needs to be coalition for better ads and experiences because mm. I think we forget what that experience needs to be. And of course, digital experiences are just analog in a new form, which is part of the problem. Right. And so we've forgotten about the consumer mm. and it's this focus on, back to your point about platforms and selling and just getting as much inventory out there. So right now we're in a place where you look at data privacy and the onus is on the consumer and it's just become this burden of I accept and terms and how you manage yep. that. So we, we've really shifted to say we have to start protecting the consumer. We have to focus in on making it easier for the consumer to access content, to have these kinds of experiences. Agencies have to start leaning into that. Mm. I mean, their ultimate end user is the consumer if you're focusing more on that customer experience, you have to make sure that it is beneficial to them and that they want to engage with it. Ad blocking is still an issue. Um, it's sort of tapered at this point, but it's not going away. Yeah. And we need to make sure that advertising has continued to be embraced, that content experiences are, but there's a new generation out there that is finding all sorts of interesting ways to avoid that. I, I agree with that. I think there's a real need. There is a, there is a yawning gap between what the digital platforms have done and how they've behaved and real sort of defender of the faith action on behalf of consumers. And to me, there's a role for agencies to be a whole lot more aggressive in validating practices um, and invalidating the way clients go to market to be consumer safe or consumer intelligent or consumer I totally oriented. Agree. We have to do that. And we're starting to do that in some ways with uh, work we're doing, Coalition on Privacy for America, yeah. really pushing the FTC to create a data protection bureau yeah. to put the onus on companies and platforms, not on the consumers themselves. Yeah. Uh, and to get back to recognizing who is the end user and who's being abused these days. And you see that happening with 
the investigations going on in the government too. Compensation and value. Mm-hmm. I've been in this industry, I hate to admit the number of years, but it's past 25. And since the day I started, I have heard things like new revenue models, you know, getting away from billable hours, unit-based pricing, package pricing, bundled price, like all this. And yet here we sit in 2019 and the vast majority of industry revenue is still billable hours. Why can't we make progress here? Or why haven't we made progress here? So I believe if you go way back to the shift from the 15% commission to the FTE model, everything was so based on relationships at that point. And everyone thought, oh, we're going to get paid what we deserve to be paid. And this is all going to go well. And then 2008 hit and this recession hit and it has not changed. And that was sort of the rise of procurement at the same time. And so everyone started focusing on, oh, well, it's about the people and what you pay for the people because it's a people-based business. And somehow people forgot. And it takes... Agencies saying no, it takes new options. So performance-based, people were trying that for many years and no one could ever get back to, well, what are the right metrics that we're going to evaluate? How do we really isolate out the variables that the agencies impacted? And what was starting to happen is that performance was coming out of the core compensation as opposed to being an incentive on top. So that is starting (laughs) from what we see to really dissipate uh, because clients just find it overwhelming. So I do see people trying new models. I am seeing choice, so offering more choice and options, getting clients to understand what they're really buying and taking advantage of. Canada is doing something interesting right now. The ICA, which is like the four A's in Canada, they are leading something called QBS, which is qualifications-based selection. It's very common in other customer service businesses like architecture or... um, manufacturing, where it focuses not on price, but on what are the qualifications Mm. of the agency you would be selecting. And so they're starting to do this. They've had seven pilots, all very successful with Hmm. large clients taking advantage of this. So this is something that we're also looking at is how can we adapt this to the U.S. and start to introduce new models and new ways of working? Because the problem is, and you started right off, it's it's compensation. It's always about the dollars first, as opposed to the qualifications and what is the deliverable? What is the scope? What are the business objectives? Yeah, I, I, I hope that makes progress. Yes. Because again, and I've bemoaned it on this podcast, and thank you, by the way, for actually listening to the podcast. Yeah. You are, I'm, I'm naming you our number one fan. We'll send you a <laughs> mug. We don't have mugs. We'll make oh, mugs just for you. Cool. Marla. All right. We are the only creative industry in the world, in the universe, for which there is no ongoing remuneration yeah. for the creative product. So if you're Nike, you got just do it for a one-time bargain basement fee and then you never have to, you know, as it has driven your business for 25 years, you never compensated the originator of that again. And that's crazy. It is absolutely crazy because you look at the brand equity that has been built for so many different businesses. You look at Apple, I mean, this year, marketer of the year at Cannes. And I appreciate that they actually gave credit to TBWHI Day, to Media Arts Lab in terms of that partnership and the endurance of it over time. If you're Wyden... And you yeah. had, you know, 0.0001% of revenue of everything that that Just Do It line was on. I, I don't know. I, 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 these are unsolvable questions, I guess, at some, at some point. But it, 
something has to change because it's, you know, if you look at, of all the troubled parts of our industry right now, you could make an argument that the creative agencies are those that are the most troubled at this very moment, right? That's the model that's most under pressure. And I think a lot of it has to do with they are still enormous sources of value that is poorly compensated for what the value is. Right. As a result, they don't invest the way they need to. They don't follow and chase innovation and trends the way they need to because they're worried about revenue per square feet and all the other nonsense that, that comes along with it. It really does have a root cause in that issue. Right. It's back to what is the value of creativity. Exactly. And and to your point, more the endurance of it. And I would say the same goes for design. If you create yep. a logo that yep. is a brand mark, I mean, who created the swoosh for Nike? Yeah, we will not solve it in this podcast. No, Mama. but it's an excellent point. But <laughs> it it is going to take someone really standing. I think that that is a possibility when it comes to some of the startups because right now there are different deals being done with some of the Agreed. startups in terms of getting a percentage of the business, not necessarily tying a creative tagline right. or a whole brand positioning around that. But we but need it's to a move longer to that. horizon compensation thought. Yes. Yeah. All right. State of the CMO. What are you hearing at this moment in terms of challenges, agency relationship status? Where are they in, in terms of a, a mindset? We we seem to have moved past the, we're going to fire them every 18 months, but I don't know that we're in that much better a spot. I, I don't think we are. The question I have today is, what is the future of the CMO? We've seen some really high-profile global CMO roles being eliminated yeah. recently. I mean, you look at J&J, McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, we've talked for a while about it. It's really more a CXO, a customer experience. Yeah. If you look at any business today, if you're focused on the customer, then everything you do is marketing. Yep. So what is the role of the CMO? And for agencies, that's always been their key connection into a company. And so agencies are now recognizing combination of management consultancies always having a direct line to a CEO yep. or a chief technology officer. Yep. They need to get around that as well because if they continue to go through that route, plus their offerings are much broader than marketing today as well. That's the first thing that I I sit back and think, well, what is happening to the the CMO role? role? And what I still see happening that's a concern is there's still such a focus on the short term. And part of the problem is if you're a CMO in a retail business, you are getting your daily comps every single morning and that pressure is on in terms of where are you at? Why aren't you doing more? That is really challenging to break out of and start looking more at long-term because what agencies usually do brilliantly, not just the short-term, but the long-term brand building and equity. And that has been sort of forgotten and eroded because there's been such a focus on promotion and price. And I hope we start to see a shift back to brand, especially in the age of voice and what's starting to happen. There really needs to be more of a focus on that. And I do appreciate that there are leaders out there like Jamie Dimon and Warren Buffett calling for more long-term views and different metrics as it relates to shareholder value beyond stock price and short-term results every quarter. Because what's happening is companies are just goosing that too to get to that number, which is a real issue. So to me, what I see from the CMO is how do you break free and get to the longer-term view? And also, I think they're also trying to really demonstrate their value beyond the narrow area they're in and the broader enterprise approach that the companies are in. I think that's a great answer. I think you're exactly right on all that. Marketing is an integral role in the performance of the company. 
is still yet under-recognized and under-appreciated. I would agree. It's interesting when you look at some of the newer companies, the startups, they've always been focused on the customer, like marketing is everything. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I agree. But part of the reason why the CMO, you know, she finds herself in a position where she's somewhat disconnected from the company is the corporate structures are not facilitated to have marketing sit at the center. Right. And so I think some of this, I'm going to eliminate the CMO, is a move to try to make the function more a part of the center of the company. So it's somewhat ironic. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, you know? though. I think that yeah. is happening because the, those responsibilities are being pushed off to other people. Yeah. Usually, sometimes sales, sometimes yeah. Which an troubles experience. Me, but I won't. <laughs> yes, because it's a bit, again, back to short term. Short, very short term. Very short term. And there, look, there are cautionary tales, right? The Kraft Heinz example oh. is a great ground zero example of what happens when you lose sight of the investment required to maintain your, your best asset. That's one of the examples we have in our quantum yeah. age of marketing report as this is what happens when you don't focus on innovation, you don't focus on brand building, and you're so focused on price cutting and short term. So let's talk about that because you, was it yesterday that came out? or, or So it? yesterday we just published an addendum an for addendum. agencies okay. about okay. what agencies need to do to be prepared, but we published the report a little over a month ago. Okay, got it. Yeah, I saw the agency thing yesterday. I thought it was pretty good. Good. I wouldn't just say that. Thank you. <laughs> we worked for a long time on that. <laughs> I mean, it imagine. really was more around <laughs> taking so many disparate pieces of content and books and trying to extrapolate what do people really need to know today and how how do you get ahead? And where can people find it? You can go onto our website. Quantum Age of Marketing is on our website. You can go to 4as.org. Okay, policy. Yes. It fascinates me what's happening. As we've noted in this space before, we've had a number of folks in here to talk about it. The digital platforms in particular are lining up to be you know, the, the pinata for both sides of the political aisle. And that obviously has massive implications for agencies. What's your perspective and sort of what are you talking to your policy team about how they're going to approach the next 16, 24 months? I was just having a conversation with our government relations lead yesterday, Dick O'Brien. So we're topical. He is waiting for Congress to get back from their summer break and he's got (laughs) a list of topics and he does not know quite what area they're going to want to focus in on because we have a board meeting coming up and it's in D.C. And I mean, it can go a number of different directions. Uh, There does seem to be bipartisan support for some sort of federal legislation around privacy. So that's positive. But then there's also a lot of talk about big tech companies break up, what that looks like. And so we don't know quite what the appetite is there. Obviously, there's a lot of antitrust investigations going on between the DOJ, Mm. the FBI. Uh, We are kind of staying back right now and just watching what happens because those investigations drag on for years. Even if we hear some things now, we don't know that that's really where it's going to go. So we're trying to stay very focused on what can we get done? What can we deliver? But we've got a very divided government, as you know. And so not a lot is getting done at the moment, which makes it incredibly challenging, especially coming into 2020 in an election year. Nothing's going to happen. All right. Let's sort of change gears a little bit. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about your perspective on the most successful client agency relationships Mm -hmm. and what makes them that way. 
I was fortunate to be in some really positive relationships over my career. And I will tell you what always was at the foundation of those was trust and open and honest communication. So sometimes you have to have tough conversations, but you have to have those conversations. And I know that I worked so hard on those businesses when I felt valued and respected for the contributions that I was going to make, when I felt like I was part of their team and just an extension of it and not, quite frankly, a vendor in the dynamic. And that makes a big difference. It is a people-based business. Mm. And if you treat people like a commodity, they're going to deliver like that. Any client usually will say, well, I want to have people where my account is the most desirable account in the agency. It's like, okay, well, you can have that, but you have to pay the agency appropriately. You have to treat people appropriately, and that will happen. But if you don't have those dynamics, it doesn't work. How often do either agencies or clients ask you guys at the forays for help? So we, we get that quite often. In <laughs> fact, we just published a client relationship management kind of guidebook. We worked with a number of consultants on that, and it opened up a conversation with the ANA. So we're now working with the ANA on best practices. Bob Leodis and I always recognize that we are going to agree to disagree on some topics, but for the most part, we agree on most of what is happening, we work on a number of industry initiatives together and coalitions. So there is a positive relationship there. Yep. I will say that the ANA takes a different approach to things than the forays, and that is their Prerogative. their view. I have long, you know, I've, I've participated. I, I've been a client many times in my career, and I've participated with the ANA in a number of different ways. And I did think the tone of last year's conference, specifically the FBI jacket incident, was Mm -hmm. unfortunate at best. It was absolutely inappropriate. And how does that benefit anyone? To me, it's it's, let's take the salacious headlines. Let's take the speculation. And I'll go back to the DOJ investigation into production price fixing that had five different holding companies subpoenaed, uh, dragged out for two years, and no charges were filed at the end of that. But for two years, there was all these conversations and whispers, and it has to stop. And the reality is there are bad actors in Every single industry, there are the majority that have good intent and are doing business in the right ethical way. And so to vilify an entire industry over a few bad actors is absolutely wrong. I couldn't agree more. Let's do a little headline writing. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. 2019 will go down as the year of the... I've been thinking a lot about this now that we're in September. Year of data. And, I, and I'll tell you why I think data. Because everything keeps coming back to that. Mm. It's about the platforms and what they're doing with data. Look at what's happening in California with CCPA yep. and in many states. Um, publicist buying Epsilon. I mean, data is sort of that holy grail right now. And it's just going to continue to be the focus for a lot of different companies. A couple things surprised me about the Epsilon transaction. One, I never thought that it was purchasable. Like, I didn't think ADS yeah. would part with it. That's the first thing. So that surprised me. Um, and I knew that no agency would buy ADS because it was too big an entity. The second is, I would have put Publicis last on the list as a buyer because of Sapient. Right. It was a complicated transaction. Let's just put it that way. So to see them do it was surprising to me. And then the price tag was significant. 
uh, it's a big bet. It is a big bet. And it's a bet some others have taken and... Us included. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dan has done quite well with Merkle and you've got IPG with Axiom. It's a bet on the future and what the importance of data. Now you've got some other big holding companies that have not gone that route, like WPP WPP. uh, and Omnicom have said, look, we're going to rent, borrow. It's going to continue to evolve. We want clients to be able to choose. And I think it gets back to... What do your clients want? What do your clients need? And it's also how you use that information. Yeah, I think that's right. It may be one of those things where there isn't necessarily a wrong answer. I don't know that there is a wrong answer. It's what's best for you in the same way. Do you go to an agency that's part of a holding company or an independent? Like, what are you looking for? Right. What is the state of the independence right now? So it's really interesting because the 4A's membership, people are always surprised. It's actually half holding company, half independence. The independent agencies, we're seeing kind of an interesting trend where there's a lot of M&A activity going on in that Mm. space, but not from the usual suspects. So you have companies like Infosys buying Wong Duty or Quad Graphics coming in and buying Periscope back to the disruption and yep. everyone's looking for growth. Yep. So we're seeing a seeing some expansion there, which is really fascinating. But we're also seeing sort of the rise of the mini holding companies mm. where there are almost coalitions coming together, aggregating these small, smaller agencies together, taking sort of their niche focus and really aggregating the capabilities, which essentially is what the holding companies have always done, but just on a much larger scale. So that really speaks to the power of how you bring all of those marketing services capabilities Mm. together in a more seamless package. Are we at a generational turnover in some of these independents, meaning we're sort of at a baby boom? Yeah, it's been really, that's another thing that's been interesting because we've had a number of members coming to us where they're moving into a chairman role. They're either figuring out whether they want to sell or they're moving into some models where they're giving out stock to their employees. They're figuring out different buyback options. It's been interesting to see how that's been evolving because you're right, they're kind of at that maturity level. All right, so two more, and then we're going to do the lightning round. That's when things really get crazy. (laughs) What are your sources of inspiration? So I always say that I'm this infotainment junkie who loves to feed my curious brain. So to me, it's like constant input. I do everything from podcasts, reading. Uh, one of my favorite places is the MoMA Design Store. You oh. just, I love looking at how designers kind of put things together in the most unusual ways. It kind of opens up my brain. Hmm. That's cool. Why do you love this business? You've spent your entire career yeah. in and around this space. Why? I think that there is no better place than an agency and just this industry. To me, just how dynamic it is, the energy, the excitement of working on and learning about a variety of categories, working with people who are equally motivated and energized. I always describe agencies as kind of this K-org. So it's like this organized chaos that happens. Mm -hmm. There's something really special about that. And you've gone back and Mm -hmm. forth. And you know, you don't get that when you're on the client side. You're much more singularly focused. Absolutely miserable. (laughs) Um, So there is something really special about that. And I've worked full service and media only. And I don't know, I'm an agency junkie. What can I say? And I think that this business has some really brilliant people and has created and advanced in so many ways. And to me, it's so exciting today what is happening. And so I look at 
what's happening with AI and the possibilities and get very excited. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I think of, of people that have been mentors to me and and people that I think are just some of the best people that I that I know. You know, yeah. personally or professionally, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, you know, John Seifert at yeah. all. He is just to me in my career has has always been a a really incredible person, and I he's indicative to me of the industry at our best. So there you I go, John. That's, that. that's a shout out to you. So, all right, you've made it to the lightning round. Hopefully we can, we can, <laughs> hopefully we can get through this without a major PR incident. So favorite digital experience, not your own. It's got to be my digital wallet, mm. Apple Pay. I just... Really? My wallet is like buried in my bag. I like if I can just pull my phone out. Right, go, I've got all my yep. little loyalty cards in my wallet. So to me, that is just so nice. Most used social platform? Mm, Twitter. Yeah, for sure. It's Twitter. I, agree. <laughs> I know it's a. I know it's a sewer, <laughs> but it's also it is so utilitarian and useful and it is how I consume 99% of my news for sure. It's how I consume the majority of my news too. And by the way, when something is going on, I go straight there and I get everything I need. You and I are somewhat age peers, I'm going to guess, although you look much better than I do, but (laughs) album that defined your teenage years. So I don't necessarily have one album. Okay. I was really into 80s British rock. And there was, so I grew up in LA and there was a radio station, KROQ, that like broke bands like Duran Duran, sure. English Beat, Depeche yep. Mode. So that was like my That's your thing. zone. Oh yeah. That, when I think of my teenage years, it you was- think of that. Yes. Wham. I mean, I was, that, that was my stuff. That stuff is all great. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll share with you my definitive There's 80s There's a Sirius XM channel you can listen to yes, too as yes, well. Yeah, yes. for sure. Who's your biggest role model? So I don't necessarily have one role model. And the way that I've always looked at people, so even from early on in my career, I whoever I worked for, whoever was my boss, I identified one positive that I would want to replicate mm. and one kind of negative that I didn't. And so when I look at all the people I've ever worked with, my role models, almost an amalgamation of all the people I've mm. worked with and all that they have taught me. So it's it's hard to say there's one person hmm. who's ever been that for me. Um, that is I've a had, highly evolved answer. No, it's genuine because I get asked this question and mm. there is just a sea of faces that race through my mind. It's never hmm. one person that has really just been that person for me. Because there are certain pieces I admire mm. in a lot of different people. Jason, that might be our most thoughtful answer. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. A perfect day not in the office is spent. It's spent outside or going to a museum. It's just about getting out of my head and doing something different or going biking. It's just soaking up the day. No, really. Yeah. like In the moment. I, I'm happy... In New York City, just being, I don't know, a tourist and walking around and just not having any direction of where I need to go or where I need to be and just having that freedom. I don't do it near enough, but that is one of my favorite things when people come to visit. You know, we have dear friends that live in Germany and whenever they come over, we'll go to the city. And it it just allows you to kind of be new to the city again. And that's always awesome. Those are good days. You're going to give me an amalgamation answer here, but I'm going to try to push you past it. Favorite industry legend or pioneer? 
No, no, I'll, gi- I'll give you an answer on this one. Okay, good. Because for me, Charlotte Beers is someone God. who's just an amazing legend in this industry. And yep. I had the good fortune when I was part of WPP to be part of a training program that she runs called X Factor. Mm. And I had the opportunity to get to know Charlotte. And she's just an amazing person. And yeah. what she ha- had accomplished and has accomplished is truly tremendous. And she continues to give back and want to push people, and in particular women, yep. to really be strong, effective leaders. Yeah, she's awesome. I would I would agree wholeheartedly. Best piece of content recently consumed could be anything, podcast, book. So anything. I just did my first audio book, and really? I did Michelle Obama's Becoming, uh, which was fantastic. And I will only do audiobooks from now on if I'm doing a memoir because to listen to the person tell their story is amazing. But her book also isn't just her story. I think there's this amazing backdrop of our country and what has Mm. been going on in the last 50 years and kind of the evolution, not just of politics, but society and race. It's, It's really interesting. My wife read it. She absolutely loved it. And that is definitely on my list. Best career advice you've ever given or received? So I was probably 15 years into my career and my boss gave me great advice. He's like, look, Marla, you don't have to be the expert on everything, but you need to know who to tap into and you need to kind of always be growing. So that turned into me. I was part of publicist, part of SMG. And that's actually how I struck up a friendship with Rashad Tabakawala because he was the guru, the genius. And I realized that it's so key to like find those people who are like extensions to your brain because you're never going to be able to know everything or absorb it all. But if you know who the right people are, and for me to be able to tap into someone like him for at the time I was running P&G business to connect to my clients, to connect to my team, to help them. That It was just great advice. He's a good brain to tap into. Yeah. One of my favorite Twitter followers. I just got to read an advanced copy of his book. Ah, uh, how is it? It's great. It comes out in January. Yeah, I'm a big Rashad fan. I was on yeah. a panel with him at the Mexico a couple of oh, years back. That's great. He's a great guy. You have survived the lightning round and, frankly, the podcast in general. Um, I always make this joke. It's the same dumb joke every time. We do not have T-shirts, but we will come up with something. Well, thank you. It's been great. I can't thank you enough. You were absolutely fantastic. It was so great to get you in here, and thank you for being patient. No, thank you. (laughs) Well, that's another wrap here for The Human Element. Please find us anywhere that you find your pods. Give us a like or subscribe or both. How about both, Jason? Does that sound good? We will be out to you real soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.